You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and cheers. This is Zach DeBacco from the Drinks with Great Minds in History podcast. And Katie and Nathan wanted me to let you know that they use strong language in their podcast. So if that's not your thing, then this might not be the show for you. And really, neither would mine. But if you like a good laugh, great history, and a few cocktails, then you'll sure as hell love this episode of the Queen's Podcast, and might want to go check out my show, too. Cheers. Hi, this is Katie. And this is Nathan. And you're listening to Queen's Podcast, the show about badass women in history. Hey, girl, hey! What up? So today we are here to talk about Nell Gwynn. So Nell Gwynn was the mistress, one of the many mistresses of the King of England in the 1600s, who didn't really shy away from any sort of controversy and was really the first commoner as a royal mistress. She was a whore for the people. <laughs> for the people. And as you know, like, I'm, as soon as I said that, I was like, wow, people are going to think I'm being really harsh on her. She called herself a whore all the time. I know. I she love- had no pretense. <laughs> She was not trying to be fancy, y'all. And what's she wrong? was what's who wrong she with that? is. Yeah. What's wrong with that? So Nathan, what are you drinking today? <laughs> Katie's saying that what I'm drinking because Katie's like going through a 30 day cleanse. Yeah. And Nathan's drinking a screwdriver because she screwed a lot of people. And she sold oranges <laughs> yes. early on in her career. <laughs> so I'm drinking an orange Perrier. So Nell was born Eleanor Gwynn on February 2nd of 1650 in London at six o'clock in the morning. I think it's interesting because so many of our queens who were born into like much more illustrious families, like their birth dates are like such big guesses. But we know her exact time and date. Why do we know? Because she had her her astrology chart her horoscope yeah she had like her horoscope chart made or whatever which is super dope that's really cool and so her family really wasn't anybody fancy Mm -hmm. i read that they like grew up next to jury lane which was like the ghetto of england in the 17th century in london yeah yeah so it was not the greatest place and her mom ran a brothel probably (laughs) um she ran a body house is what they called it which Ah. probably means brothel and her dad uh died in prison (laughs) yeah her dad had been in the english civil wars and you know as one does when they come back from war a lot of times they're real shook and so he became an alcoholic and he died in debtor's prison. And what that is, like, we kind of talked about it a little bit in the Madame de Pompadour episode about how, like, debt was a much more seriously punishable offense back then. They could come after then. you and, like, and, harass you. debtor's prison, no, they'd put you in prison. Mm-hmm. And so, like, he was in debt, so he went to debtor's prison where he died. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so, not what you would be like, what a great start to life. <laughs> Political climate of the time is really important to the story. 
Um, so we're going to do just a real, real brief. quick, <laughs> like simple explanation of the three civil wars, the English <laughs> civil wars. So what was going on? Basically, the people, uh, the Commonwealth, Parliament and all that jazz overthrew the monarchy. There were three civil wars that took place between 1642 and 1651. Charles I of England was the king at the time. And he was beheaded. Kilt. Kilt in 1649. So for the next few years, I think it was 18 years, don't quote me on that, but something like that, there was no monarchy and it was called, the ruling party was called the Commonwealth. Yeah. And they were ruled by this guy named Oliver Cromwell, who was no fun. Yeah. So No fun. England under the Commonwealth wasn't super fucking fun. <laughs> it, was, it was Puritan. And Puritans are kind of lame. Yeah. They, um, <laughs> no parties, no fun, no alcohol, no there, Yes. There was uh, no booze on the major religious holidays you had to fast. So can you imagine like Christmas? You couldn't exchange gifts. You couldn't have any feast. But drinking, I want the turkey. And you have to fast. And that's just like the exact opposite of like the Christmas. I think of... Christmas is everyone's drunk by two and playing with their new gadgets and Grandpa's stuffed and falling asleep on the couch. Hey, you know? I'm probably passed out on the other couch next to Grandpa. After exactly. But there's um, no sports. Uh, anything fucking fun was banned, and yeah. including the fucking theater, which devastating to me. Yeah, anything anything that made anybody have fun, basically. Very 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 long story short, um, in 1660 the monarchy was reinstated. And Charles I's son, Charles II, became king. He had been living in exile mostly in the Netherlands for the last, like, ten or so years. And so they were like, all right, Charlie, you can come back over. We want you to be king now. He was called the Merry Monarch. I actually really like Charles II. Yeah. Like, he seems like an okay guy. Like, he could have been, like damn right I'm coming back and like angry with the country for beheading his father and stuff but instead he was just like cool y'all ready to party and England was like yes oh my god we are so ready to party right and that would be too I mean not only was England warring at that time with like itself with all the civil wars but then there was Ireland and Scotland yeah and so he came back and he was um the king of Ireland Scotland basically like what we know is Great Britain Mm -hmm. now and he was like all right guys Let's party. And so maybe, maybe he'll be important later. I don't know. (laughs) Perhaps. Nell was raised most likely in a brothel, like Mm -hmm. we said earlier. Mm -hmm. She was a, quote unquote, a drink filler at the body house. (laughs) Yes. So she didn't go to school. No school. And some say people say she was illiterate her whole life. It's very likely. I read one place, like, later on in life, she would have people write her letters, and then she'd go to sign it, and she would just sign it in G or whatever, and, like, that was barely legible, you know? Uh, Well, I mean, it makes sense, because she was raised in shady lady town. How weird would it be if she had an illustrious education in the brothel like right. she's like well plato says that blah blah blah, blah. i went to the university of shady lady <laughs> i want that on a sweater um and she was a protestant by the way she yeah was she was protestant. Definitely well, not england Catholic. was super protestant at this time and it was just there was a huge rift between this is protestants and catholics yeah she was almost definitely a child prostitute um, yeah, a lot which of things. I, I mean, she even made jokes about it. There's quotes of her even. Like, yeah, it's, I mean, she probably, it. I mean, she didn't have a father. Her mother was an alcoholic. Her mother was a raging alcoholic that ran a brothel. 
And so she didn't have anybody to protect her, you know? Yeah. So it's very likely that if the clientele would have been like, hey, that nine-year-old's pretty. Well, like, there was sorry. nothing. <laughs> I know. I know. Like, it's vomit. very disturbing. <laughs> it's possible. But also, it makes me think, someone with this kind of beginning had every right to be, like, just like an emo bitch, you know? Yeah. And she was such a positive person. Yeah, she was. Which we'll get so. to. So anyway, what she looked like is she was, you know, ever since she was born, she was just this very pretty and funny, witty girl. I mean, she was known call- as Witty Pretty Nell. <laughs> yeah, so she was also said to have little feet. Little what tiny feet. That? She was a petite person. Um, she, she had a heart-shaped face with hazel eyes and reddish hair. And it said, uh, they said she had cute dimples that showed when she smiled, which was often. And she just had this this cleverness about her. She had this joy de vivre, like yeah. just naturally. Like, je ne sais quoi. Je ne sais quoi. <laughs> Since she was petite. <laughs> <laughs> petite Nelly. The theater. When the theater was brought back, Charlie, too, was like, you know what? Let's, let's let women act the female roles. Let's which have was, fun now. Which was... Really cool, because, I mean, I guess we haven't really talked about it before, but if you know anything about... English uh, theater. Or, like, Shakespeare or anything, yeah. you know that the women parts were always Played performed. by men in cross-dressing. Yeah, or boys, you know, yeah. like, um, pretty boys. So, for him to be like, why don't we let the women play the women, was very progressive. Yes. It was very progressive on his part. And also, like, it added to the short list of professions that women could have in the time that were under the category of not whore. Yeah, right. <laughs> there weren't a whole lot of things that women were allowed to do. But now they can be actresses, playwrights, stage, stage managers. Yeah, yeah like whatever. Stuff. And so I think that it just makes me like Charlie too even more. Yeah, and he was actually the first monarch to go to the theaters. Previous yeah. monarchs would have plays go to them. And that's so crazy. You think about... Like Elizabeth the First and Shakespeare and stuff like that. So you just assume she went to the theater, but no, the theater came Take to her. Lucky, yeah. And but Charlie was the first guy to be like, well, no, he was. I feel like he just really wasn't one of those kings that God has put me here, so I am better than you guys. He, he wanted was, to be around his people. Exactly. He, was, he, wanted to be he didn't want to get his head cut off like his dad did. Yeah, which <laughs> that's how you do. You get. Used to the commoners because the commoners killed your dad. Yes. And so as someone who loved attention and had, like, this captivating personality, this would have been, like, a natural draw for Nell. But first you need to, like, get an in. So this former prostitute named Mary Meggs. that She she, went by the name Orange Mall. Orange Mall. Okay. (laughs) Sure. She used to work for Mama Gwen at the body house. And then she got a gig at a theater called the Theater in Bridges, Bridges Street. And she gave Nellie and um, Rose jobs there selling oranges. Yeah. And um, so that sounds, now we're like, what? Oranges. But like, like the person selling popcorn. Yeah. Kind of like, like that. They didn't and have popcorn. These were like um, fancy fucking oranges. I don't know. It was actually a really cool job, again, that fell under the category of not whore. So, kind of, sort of, not really, but they did wear skimpy little outfits and yeah. the oranges, so... <laughs> well, yeah, but she wasn't expected to sleep with the clientele, yes, which exactly. is on the up and up. She was, like, how old was she when she got the job selling oranges? Like, 12? Something like yeah, that? Yeah, it was, like, 12. 
But she would, you know, get paid hourly, but she would also get tips because the people in the audience would pay her to run messages to the actors and actresses. And a lot of men, a lot of really titled men, like lords and dukes or whatever, would go to the theater to find mistresses. So they'd be like, I want you to go tell this actress I said X, Y, Z. And if you don't tell anybody what I told you, here's an extra couple of pennies for you. And so she's making her own money. I know. I read it and I was like, girl, she's a P-I-M-P. She is. She's she's sending little messages Mm -hmm. here and there, heckling little people, setting up little mistresses. Yeah. She's a pimp. pimp, Making her own money. And these orange girls would also like heckle the audience members. And what I read is that she used a lot of her humor and mm-hmm. her wittiness, and then that's what got her noticed. That's what got her noticed. Like, people would come to the theater and be like, oh, where's that cute little orange selling girl? She's so funny. And, yeah, like, and she so was part of the going to the theater experience. She was in high demand. She was. <laughs> um, during this time, she had her first love affair, which is gross, because she's, like, 12. And he's, like, 40. <laughs> um, well, probably. We actually don't know anything about this guy. She, like, maybe started an affair with a dude named Duncan. What we do know is around this time she got her own room rented at a tavern. And a 12-year-old that sold oranges couldn't really afford that herself. So she probably had a lover who was... And the story goes that it's a dude named Duncan. And I couldn't find anything else out about Duncan. I just just read that perhaps she had a lover named Duncan. Yeah. Or it could have been Orange Mall. Yeah, maybe Orange Mall was, like, uh, renting her this apartment. Yeah, it's possible. Who knows? This dude, Samuel Peeps, was who we're going to talk about a lot. Not a lot, but he comes up several times because he was a diarist of this time. Yeah, he documented it all. He documented, like, I think he was a little obsessed with Nell sometimes. Like, he wrote Mm -hmm. about her a lot. But he wrote about everybody a lot. He was a bit, he was a bit of a gossip. But anyway, like, he first writes about her while she's an orange girl. So that's kind of like where we first start seeing her. I mean, she must have been really making an impression. If If she was getting somebody to write about her. Yeah. Whenever she was, like, 12. But by age 14, she started acting. She was getting noticed from the stage, on the stage. And she would mock the actors and actresses and became really popular. Yeah. This guy, Thomas Kilgrew, he was a real big fucking deal. He, um, him and his family had been longtime loyalists to the king. And, you know, when the king went into exile, he went into, like, he was part of the crew that went into exile with him. So when he came back for his loyalty, Kilgrew got, is it Kilgrew or Kilgrew? Kilgrew. got, um, <laughs> titles and jobs, and he got licensed to open his own theater, which he called the king's company. Because they're not very creative with things. (laughs) But yeah, so he was like... This kid needs to be on stage. This girl needs to be on stage. She is funny. She's not even acting and she's drawing in an audience. She's got so much potential. Funny side note, uh, Killigrew's sister had a legitimate child with uh, Charles II. Charles II got around. He had a lot of illegitimate children. Anyways. (laughs) A lot of children. (laughs) Yeah, Killigrew was like, we need to put her in some acting classes first, though. And that's where she met uh, Charles Hart and John Lacey. I was trying to find out, how did illiterate people learn I know, I thought the same thing as like... And it must have just been, one, they probably 
weren't too, too picky that you knew the words verbatim. Yeah. Because I feel like the theater was a bit of a different experience than it is Mm -hmm. now, you know. And two, you would just have to, like, memorize shit real quick. Somebody would read it to you, and you'd repeat it to them, and... You better get on with it. You better remember it, because you are replaceable, you know? (laughs) That's definitely got to be a little talent that you have. So, the Restoration Theater was a huge deal. Yeah, they changed the way that theater was, was done at the time. And it was just... It was so popular. And drama, I mean, dramas have always been popular, like, think Greek tragedies, ever since the beginning yeah, of time. Yeah, but, but comedy was the moneymaker. Com- people didn't want to cry. They had been crying under the Commonwealth. They for been years fasting. Years. They've been fasting and not, I've been not drinking for about three days now and I'm annoyed. <laughs> I can only imagine. <laughs> for 18 years. So I'm they. Like drink. They were ready to laugh. And so comedy was a big fucking deal. That's really great timing for Nell, because she was such like a naturally funny person. She was sharp. She, she was very wa- witty. She was pretty witty. <laughs> Nell. Nell. <laughs> pretty witty Nell. And then, so she's getting taught her acting skills by homeboy named Charles Hart. And she just so happens to start sleeping with him. Which um, is a little gross, because he was... 40 and she was 15. What? What? But I could understand as someone who was starting to fall in love with theater and acting how she could be drawn to him. Also man- manipulation because she was a child and he was an adult. But anyway, um, he was a really well-established actor. He, um, before the revolution or before the civil wars or whatever, he would play the, like, he was one of the little boys that would play the women's roles and stuff. He was, he had been in the acting game for a really yeah. long time. So he had a lot to teach her, you know, like, so I could see why she, like, probably really admired him. Ooh, fancy, huh? Oh, fancy, girl. My Perrier. <laughs> so, anyway. Nellie finally gets our first gig on the stage. And uh, she played uh, with Charles Hart opposite mm-hmm. each other in a play called The Indian Emperor. And The two of them had, like, a really amazing onstage chemistry. So in this play, I read that she played the daughter of Montezuma. Mm-hmm. And he played uh, the Spanish... Cortez. Yes. Yeah. The, the conquistador Cortez. Unfortunately. <laughs> it was not received very well. <laughs> I mean, the play was a big hit, but it was a serious role. And... She she just didn't, she wasn't great at it. Uh, Samuel Pepys wrote a great and serious part, which she did most basely, which is um, 17th century speak for your basic. Ouch. Ouch. <laughs> but, and, and like, it was sort of like, because there'd been all this hype over this new young girl who was so funny and so talented and everything. And, so, and honestly, Nell didn't really like the dramatic series Mm-mm. characters anyway. Mm-mm. And uh, they actually did a show for her where they had an epilogue that was written for her. And on that, she said, We have been all ill used by this day's poet. Tis our joint cause. I know you in your hearts hate serious plays as I do serious parts. Yeah. So she hated dramas. <laughs> yeah. But she bounced back. And she found her stride in a big comedy called All's Mistaken or The Mad Couple. And then she and Hart played opposite each other in this again. And the- So is this dynamic called um, The Gay Couple? Is what not, it was- not like lesbian. Not like what we'd call The Gay Couple today. But it was just this <laughs> dynamic that was really... It's basically... 
the setup for a modern day um, romantic comedy. You know, yeah, like the womanizer that doesn't want to get married, and then she's so witty and clever that she eventually gets him to want her. Yeah, her. and it's like a will they want they until the very end when they will. And again, her and Hart played each, o- each other opposite on this uh, show, and it was a huge hit. Like fucking chemistry. It was they really had really really great chemistry, I guess, on and off stage, and people could not get enough of them together. Um, She's a fucking celebrity. She like this play makes her so famous. I read about this one scene where like she because she would do like these physical comedy bits that not all actresses were comfortable doing, and like there was this one scene where. body shaming it was a different time where like she has this suitor who's this really fat guy she like to get away from him she like rolls under a table or whatever Uh with her petticoats all up in the air and stuff like that not all the actresses were willing to like make themselves look like an idiot like that and but the people loved it because that better (laughs) was fucking funny yeah she was totally like the brangelina of her time like her and her and charles hart yeah Mm -hmm. so they're like the chelly like charles and nelly Chelly. The ch- oh, <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> so then, um, our good old friend, the plague, comes rolling in. <laughs> I feel like the plague, like, comes sneaks into so many of our stories, and especially like in this time in London, London's just nasty. Like, yeah, it is unsanitary. And it's so crowded. People are just like. Pouring poop on the floors and the horses are just shitting outside. No one's cleaning up. There's people shit everywhere. People are living in such small quarters. You know, like you go and rent a room in a tavern or whatever. You might have three roommates, and then there's like ten rooms in that tavern, and it's just like all these people. Like people were just living so close, so close quarters, and hygiene wasn't a thing. And so disease was like crazy, spread like crazy. Yeah. In its peak that summer, it said as many as 7,000 people in London died in one week. So, yeah, they ended up closing down the taverns and the theaters because yeah. they had a lot of people. The in. king was like, um, in Parliament, they were like, okay, so if you can get out, get the fuck out of London. So doctors, lawyers, people that were affluent like that did get the fuck out. Parliament, shut the fuck down. They closed um, anything that brought a bunch of people together, like football stadium, you know, football games or whatever, theater, courts. Um, It was just, it was a huge epidemic. And the king also got out of town, too. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, But luckily for the theater troupe, the king's company, they followed the king because he still needed entertainment. So the king's company kept the king king. company. (laughs) (laughs) So the king's company thought, well, okay, so we'll go with him in July 1665. Nell's mother went with her, which is not like a super widely known fact. I feel like she, even though her mother continued to be like a constant source of disappointment for her, she like still really tried to take care of her. I mean, can you blame her? I mean, how embarrassing. I bet her mother was so embarrassing around all these like posh, like people, like courtiers at the king's court and her her mom just being like, I own a body house. What what do you do? (laughs) 
Oh, you're the Duke? Okay. Oh, uh, cool. whatever, bitch. Uh, if, uh, I think the king, there's like stories that the king and Nellie met at this time, but yeah. it really wasn't like documented. He had his hands full. Yeah, he had plenty of mistresses at the time. And her and Charles Hart, her Charles I, were still going pretty hot and heavy at this time. So the plague ended up starting to die down, and the court returned back to London in early 1666. They returned to the stage, and Nellie is in high demand. Specifically in the role, you know, the female part of the gay couple type. But But then... Yeah, the Great Fire of London strikes. Yeah! (laughs) That's a bummer, but... But it was actually kind of alright and good, because it only killed six people. Documented. Documented people, but but it destroyed the plague. Yes, that was kind of the end of the plague in London forever. Yeah. Um, which had been going on since forever. And that killed way more people and than the And a lot fire of people look at this as like a symbolism of, okay, the fire burnt down medieval London. And on top of that, we can build like modern day. Dracarys. Dracarys. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello everyone, you may recognize me as Gabby from the History of Everything podcast. And my name is Bruna, and you don't recognize me from anything yet. Together, we're two scientists who explore all of the weird little questions and conspiracies of the universe in our new podcast, Mystery of Everything. Everything has an explanation. We hope. But that is what we're here to figure out. We will dive into the science behind many popular conspiracy theories, such as vaccines causing autism, flat earth theory, And was the moon landing fake? And if so, why the heck would anyone even do that? But it's not just conspiracies. There's a lot of cool mysteries that we will attempt to use science to explain, such as near-death experiences, what made the Vikings go berserk, and can I control my co-host with MKUltra? Wait, what? (laughs) Anyway, make sure to check out the Mischief Everything podcast everywhere where you find your podcasts. Birth through fire. And so no one in Nell's... Uh, life ended up dying. Yeah, like she really wasn't affected by it in their theater. That like it didn't really get any serious damage, yeah. which is a miracle because like everybody's house just got yeah. burned down. <laughs> Everything did, but like their <laughs> theater was pretty much fine. So as soon as everybody came back to the city, they were able to like business as usual. So in the spring of 1667, she performed in a play called The Maiden Queen. It was a Huge success. Huge. Like, think, like, Titanic levels. Like, And Nell was the lead, Avi. Of course. Opposite Char- Charles Hart. Of okay, course. Charlie. It was the first major London performance where women wore men's clothes. Very risky. So she appeared in a trousers, uh-huh. which I think they did 
just as like a publicity stunt. Like, yeah. there's going to be men. There's going to be women in trousers, and everyone's Ooh. like, must sign up to see this. <laughs> so it was written by Dryden, I believe, who was one of the most popular playwrights of the time, and had the uh, had the most famous acting couple of the time. Yeah. So it was, and this bitch is in trousers. You gotta go. Yeah, yeah. Everybody, <laughs> anybody who's anybody was there. Charles the second was in the audience opening night because obviously he started he started to notice like he'd probably met her before i've definitely seen her act before but he started to be like those trousers man <laughs> he started to get a lady boner well, it was a dude boner he, he got a he got a just regular boner we can just, just say right, boner, boner. <laughs> <laughs> he got a regular boner for her in trousers and the diarist peeps wrote, uh, so great a performance of a comical part was never, I believe, in the world before. But... Damn! I know. drop. Yeah. But besides of what we know with Charles II, another dude, Charles Sackville, ended up falling in love with her. Yeah, and like we kind of mentioned before, you know, people with titles would come to the play to find mistresses. And that's basically what happened um charlie sackville a lord i think he went on to become an earl eventually mm-hmm. but he was you know so he was rich and he was like i want to have a kept mistress i will take that one um so she broke up with charlie hart she was like okay i will go be this kept mistress now and so what was funny with this story with her is that she had charles hart who she called Charles the First. Yeah. And then she gets and shacks up with Charles Sackville and calls him Charles the Second. His Lord Buckhurst. (laughs) And he is her Charles the (laughs) Second. And, um, you know, in the time, like, it was like, if you're gonna be a kept mistress, why would you keep working? And so she did what she thought she was supposed to do, and she She left. She leaves. She left the stage. She's like, "All right, I'm gonna go lean into this role over here of being this, um, this Lord's mistress." And then the audience is like, "Where the fuck is now?" Yeah, because she left like at the beginning of the season, and they're like, "What was it?" Like, all the other actors and the playwrights and the audience, they like, were like, what are Where? we going to do now? <laughs> so he took her on a summer vacation to a country town called Epsom. And he said that he would give her an income of 100 pounds a year and swore she would act no more. But Ooh. she was back on stage by all. We don't really know what happened here, but her and Lord Buckhurst had a nasty breakup. He got butthurt. <laughs> Buckhurst was so butthurt. Like, he would, like, I don't think he actively spread rumors, but when people would spread rumors about her, he would not deny them. Uh, Like, there was, so there was, like, rumors flying around that she had slept with all his buddies, and, like, he, she had stolen his money, and da-da-da-da-da, which I, I don't believe for a second. I think just rumors gonna, rumors gonna rumor. And he, I don't don't know. And he just... (laughs) He was just like, well, I'm not going to stop any of this because it just makes me look like... A, a jerkwad? Yeah. <laughs> so let's go back to the stage. It took some courage for her to go yeah, back. A little because, bit of pushback. Because, like, the actors were all like, oh, the lady doth deem us worthy again. And it's like, bitch, but I really didn't want to be with this guy anyway. Yeah, but, <laughs> I mean, it was such a short affair the people forgave it really quick. Yeah, because they were shelling out their money to go see her. Yeah, she got butts in the seats. 
She got butts and seats, so they were like, fine. She's like Meryl Streep. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So she was approached by this Duke, um, the Duke of Buckingham, who was um, super buddies with the king. And he was trying to get the king laid again. Well, he, so the king's (laughs) official mistress for the last, like, ten years or whatever had been this woman who we'll talk about in the Patreon episode, Barbara Palmer's. And that was uh, Buckingham's uh, cousin, and she ended up making a lot of enemies. Babs, Babs had a lot of enemies. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she was. And I think Nellie was like, oh, okay, sure. <laughs> I'll be your fucking mistress. <laughs> and then she demanded 500 pounds. Yeah, because she didn't, she wasn't taking it seriously. She was like, oh, okay, buddy. Like, I'll do it for 500 pounds. And Buckingham was like, who the fuck do you think you are? <laughs> like, <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> and went to source other actresses. Yeah, they weren't thinking that this this illiterate woman from probably with a thick Cockney accent, was you know, ask, like yeah. ask for that much money and be like, what What are you trying to do? Mm-mm, but it planted the seeds in Nellie's head. She was like, I don't, I don't need somebody to hook me up with the king. I can probably just do it myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So sidebar about Charlie the second. He had a lot of mistresses, like we said before, and a lot of fucking children. And sadly, his wife, Catherine of Braganza, couldn't have any kids herself. Yeah, um, Charlie was Protestant. His wife was Catholic. So when it came out that she couldn't have any children, um, Charles was really pressured to divorce her. But he loved her. And he was like, he's like, I mean, if she wants to retire to a convent, I will divorce her. But I don't, I'm not going to just divorce her. If yeah, she doesn't and, want to. And she ended up accepting all of his mistresses and being okay with it. Yeah. They Besides had a, Barbara Palmer, I really don't think she liked her. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't think... Nobody liked Barbara Palmer. But, <laughs> yeah, she ended up just kind of accepting that he had other women in his life. And I think, you know, they had a pretty happy marriage. He had about 15 children that he recognized in his lifetime. <laughs> Only. And, <laughs> Yeah. About uh, about the time that Nell hit the scene, Babs Palmer had been his main mistress for a while, and she made a lot of enemies at court, and now we're all caught up. <laughs> so Buckingham moved on to another actress with the king, and when Nell blew him off, this, this actress named Maul Davis came along. The story goes that Nell and her buddy knew that Maul Davis was supposed to hook up with the king that night, so... <laughs> They put a strong laxative in her drink backstage, which is fucking genius. I know. <laughs> like I really want this story to be true. I mean, I don't know if it's true, but it's definitely a fun story that, like, her and her friend were like, they put this root or whatever uh, in her drink, and she was went to meet up with the king that night, and when it hit, she was like, in the king's bedroom. <laughs> and the king had to deal with this lady just shitting all night. <laughs> Double clap, Nellie Gwynn. Yes. <laughs> Nellie Gwynn Coco. You go, Gwynn Coco. You go, Gwynn Coco. <laughs> That's uh, brutal. I know. <laughs> he did go on. He did go on to have at least one child with Maul Davis. So I guess it didn't deter him for too long once she, like... Got her shit together, literally. Um, I'm pretty proud of that one. I just came up the top of my head. Um, So one fateful night, and this probably was not a coincidence, Nellie found herself attending a play that she wasn't acting in. And uh, she had 
box seats at the play that connected to the box seats the king was sitting in. The king spent more of the night, like, flirting with Nell. Surprise, surprise. Than actually watching the play. And Nell was with another guy. Yeah, time. she was with another guy. And, um, but I mean, what... Uh, she, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? <laughs> so, after the play, the king suggested that Nell and her date... And the king, hey, let's go shack up and go get dinner together, guys. Yeah, and the story goes that at the end of the night, so it's um, the king, his buddy Buckingham, and then Nell's date and Nell are at dinner. And then whenever the guy comes around being like, all right, here's the check, who's going to pay it? The king was like, oh, I don't, oh, I don't have my wallet on me. And Buckingham was like, I don't have my wallet on me either. And Nell goes, um, well, this is the poorest company I was ever in. And she paid the bill. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. She went Dutch. (laughs) No, she didn't go Dutch. She She paid everybody's bill. (laughs) Yeah, he loved that deprecating humor she had. He didn't, I don't think he liked being treated special because he was the king, people being nervous to talk around him or whatever. So whenever, so whenever he, she called him the poorest company, (laughs) he was just like, you were hilarious. You gonna be my boo. So I read that the name of the play that they met at was called She Would If She Could. They should rename that now for now. She can and she did. <laughs> mm-hmm. She did get that king. <laughs> so a mistress is made. Now it is unclear if they started their affair like that night or if it took a couple of months for them to like get to know each other. But they got fucking serious. They got by 1668. She was, like, the main mistress at court. So she ended up, like I said earlier, she ended up calling him Her Charles the Third, <laughs> Even though he was, like, the king of England, Charles the yeah. Second. But she, she was, was, like... No, he no. was her Charles the Third. <laughs> that's, that's the knell that he fell in love with. Yes, and the people fucking loved her. It's like, all oh. the... Yeah, they'd all been, like, upper class from rich families. And she's one of them. She's a commoner. She's a commoner, and they're like, oh my god, this king is in love with a commoner. She's, like... It's Nelly from the block, you know? Like, <laughs> don't be fooled by these rocks that I got. I'm, I'm still, still, I'm still, still Nelly, Nelly from, from the, the block. block. Absolutely. <laughs> and her celebrity went through the roof. It makes me think of Meghan Markle, except for that people knew who Nell was before she started dating the king. Shade. Don't at me, y'all. Shade. No, I hear Meghan is very talented. Did you get a degree from suits. Shady Lady University? Shady Lady University. <laughs> don't at me, bro. Um, just kidding. Markle, Meghan Markle, super famous beforehand. I mean, some people know who she was. I just didn't. Anyway, um, yeah, she didn't quit working. Which was a big deal, because if you're a mistress, you're getting a pension every year. You're getting money. Why? Why are you working? And. But she loved what she did. She loved what she did. And also, she, the king has had so many mistresses, you know? She's like, why? Yeah. She was like, if this doesn't last. I need to have my own money set aside. So, so she kept working. Why the fuck not? She kept acting. And um, plus, I mean, she was still really young. Like, And I think this is another reason that people loved her is because she she had a big pension from the king, but she still decided to keep I don't keep think working. she had a pension yet. I don't think she had a pension until they had kids. Oh, the kids. Yeah. But I mean, she still, I'm sure he had her set up in a pretty yeah. cush <laughs> living arrangement and like i'm sure she didn't want for anything it's easy to forget that she was only 18 at this time 
because she's been, had so much life already, you know? I know, right? She's still a teenager. Nell and Charles's relationship was different from the relationship he had with, like, his other mistresses, because Nell didn't have an agenda. No. You know, like, all the other mistresses... Kind of how we talked about in the Anne Boleyn episode. Like, the Howard family really pressed Anne Boleyn to um, try to sway the king to, like, take up their causes. She didn't have any powerful relatives. Like, what is she going to be? Like, you know? like she So she wasn't... She never tried to get involved in politics. She did open the king's eyes to a lot how... This is how poor people live. Which just... I think made him love her more. Yeah, like, because I think it was refreshing to have this poor woman that grew up in the ghetto of they, England. And they could probably even relate because, you know, Charlie was off in exile for so many years. Yeah. And I mean, he was probably still living better than, you know, the poorest poor person on the streets, you know, well, or whatever. Yeah. But, but he, he wasn't. He could relate. He could relate to being down on your luck, you know? So, yeah, I think that's really cool. And I have to assume that Charles wasn't super possessive. I mean, he had how many mistresses? And his other mistresses had men on the side. And he really wasn't jealous. Yeah, and also... Like, if you think about a lot of the other kings we've talked about, if their wives would have wanted to have jobs and working with their exes, because she was still working opposite of heart in all her plays and stuff. Charles was supportive. He so I'm I have to think he must have been a pretty laid back guy. Yeah. At least, you know, when it came to matters of sex? the heart. <laughs> um, you, you were like sex. And I was like the heart. <laughs> Other organs. <laughs> it's unlikely Charles was ever like a hundred percent faithful to her. No, he wasn't. Um, she was told the day she died faithful to him, but I definitely think he like really loved her on a really deep level. And I think she did too. I think they, they loved each other. I think she was the only mistress he was able to like joke around. Like he's pro- probably the only mistress he was able to make a dirty joke to. Oh yeah. You know? Absolutely. Any of the she- other ones would have been like what have oh you said? Oh, oh my heart! I feel faint. faint. <laughs> and she probably like could. She probably had plenty of dirty jokes of her own. <laughs> and she was, she was just the gal that you wanted to kick back, have a beer with, and chill with. Yeah. So funny story. <laughs> I read this about the king, and he heard this an erotic story about Nellie Gwyn Coco, and he ended up spinting in his britches. <laughs> what is? What does that mean? He jizzed in his Oh! <laughs> he heard a big erotic story about her and was like, oh, you know? <laughs> oh! So he also did see her knickers hanging out at one of the plays. And he said to see her knickers hanging out there gave me a world of good. So he was well. like, he was in fire love with her. <laughs> he was in something. <laughs> so... Baby time. Baby, Baby time. time. <laughs> By 1670, Nell was pregnant. And she decided to take a break from acting while she <laughs> brewed that baby in her belly. I mean, that's that's something you would want to do. It's probably smart. <laughs> so Charles started renting out her house. And the address was on 79 Palm Mall. And, you know, there's 
still a plague there to this day, saying... A plaque. plaque. <laughs> Did I say plague? There's still plague there. It, de- <laughs> it got killed by the fire everywhere else except for 79 Pall Mall. a plaque there. Yeah. <laughs> it said, Nell Gwynn used to live here. <laughs> he would eventually, like, gift her the house. Like, okay, it is yours now. But for the first few years, he rented it out. She got to decorate it herself and everything. This is kind of where we start to see that Nell... Now that she had money, wasn't being super careful with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of the first time that she was kind of being... A little, like, yeah. But this is where she gave birth to her first son, Charles. Um, She'd had good luck. I guess this was her Charles the (laughs) Fourth. She'd had good luck with the name so far. (laughs) This was the king's seventh son. But everyone was still, like, all illegitimate. But everyone was still, like, super excited. And he was really... He was really happy that they had some kids together now. And this is whenever he started giving her the pension and yes, she got four thousand pounds a year. So how's that for that five hundred she initially asked for? Middle fingers up. Yeah. (laughs) So, so do you? She ended up renting her mom out of house. Mm -hmm. uh, Had a nice little apartment. So (laughs) no brothel for you anymore. (laughs) The people of London loved her so much that like. They would come and leave flowers at her house every day. Like, she, how nice would that be? You're just, like, leaving your house on your front lawn, just a bunch of flowers for you, because right? just everybody in your town loves you so much. Thanks, uh, thanks, guys. So shortly thereafter, she goes back to work like a badass bitch. <laughs> a badass bitch. Absolutely unheard of for the time. Like, you have a child by the king. You have a pension. You have a $4,000, £4,000 a year pension why are you acting, honey? Come on. So she ended up doing one more season, just one. She just made one. a shitload of money. Of and, course she did. And then she got pregnant again, and she was like, okay, I think it's time think to it's stop. T- For real now, I got to take care of these little bastards. On Christmas Day, 1671, she <laughs> had her second son named James. Christmas baby. Ooh. Um, so she's a well-seasoned actress that has decided to retire at the ripe old age of 21. (laughs) First time I was 21, I was excited to get booze. Yeah, yeah, not less. Oh, I'm going to retire to my pension in my mansion (laughs) with my two royal bastards. So as Charlie II was known to do, his eyes started to wander, and he came along this little French French fried bitch named Louise. French bitch. Um, Charlie had had other flings since he took up with Nell. Like I said, he had a kid with Maul Davis, the this poop one was mistress. Totally different. This one was different. <gasps> Maul Davis is the poop mistress. <laughs> Favorite nickname I have given anybody yet. Oh hey, it turns out I'm immature when I'm sober too. <laughs> Louise, how do you say her full name? Because I, when I saw it, I Carowaye. just, I just saw Louise Jack Kerouac. Is what it <laughs> Car- I'll let you say it. I'm just gonna call her Louise Kerouac. Kerouaye. Kerouaye. Like <laughs> you said it like Car-wall-yay? the biggest southerner. <laughs> anyway, um, so Louise was from like uh, this super rich French family. And she had come over to England as part of Charlie's, like, sister's ladies-in-waiting. Yes. Because Charlie's sister was married to the French king's 
brother. And they were polar opposites. Her and Nellie were, they were they, polar they opposites. They looked different. They acted different. Different upbringings. Like, they Louise could not like have tall, been. all dark, and, like, slender, and beautiful. And Nellie was, like, short, and fair, and... And cute and curvy. And like we said, Nell, uh, Luis was from this, like, rich fucking family, and Nell was, like, a Cinderella story. You know, yeah. it started from the bottom, now we're here, you know? Um, Luis did not shy away from trying to sway Charlie on politics, and, like, you need to choose these more pro-French policies. Which was kind of shady to the English people. Yeah, and she was not popular, because nope. she was Catholic. And she and was ag- French. And she was French. And again, you know, that like... I know now it doesn't seem like a big deal, but at this time it was such a, it was still a huge deal, this um, Catholic versus Protestant things mm-hmm. in Europe. It was a huge divide. And so you have Louise over here who's like this very like prim and proper funny gal, but then you've got this Nellie who's like your down to earth, nitty gritty, real girl. Yeah. Like, so you had this prim and proper, oh, she's perfect, but then you had this like down to earth. Yeah. Cool they were so different. Nell never complained open and openly to Charles yeah. about Luis, but she gave Luis at least two nicknames. Yeah. One was the Weeping Willow, which is what I still use today. Because <laughs> she would like Luis had this habit of just, like, breaking into tears, like, any time, like, the smallest thing, like, didn't go her way. And then the second one, which I love, so Luis, like, kind of had a little bit of, like, a slant to her eye, and so she called her Squintabella, (laughs) which is just funny. I'm sorry. (laughs) That is so creative. They were frenemies, though. Yeah, and I read a story that she, uh, whenever a French noble would die, Mm. like a French prince would die, Mm -hmm. you would have, like, of course, of course, Louise would show up in this black garment, (laughs) and she's, like, looking all fierce, and then Nellie shows up, and she's just wearing this little fucking shady black dress, and they're like, you a French bitch? And she's like, I'm about as French as that cunt up there. Like, that's well, what, no, what she, she meant. Because she was French, but they were like, well, what relation did you have to the French prince? And she's like, about as the same relation as Louise does. Like, about as French as she come is. Come on. No, Louise was French, though. But, like, she wasn't, like, she would just play up her connections. And so, yeah. Yeah, but poor Louise just couldn't keep up with Nell's humor and her wit. And so every time they would go toe-to-toe, Nell just always won out. Like, yeah, and then Louise ended up having a son with uh, Charles, and then he was named Charles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How, How fucking clever! Kind of like in the Tudor's day, it was like Henry, Henry, Henry. Henry. <laughs> yeah. Now everyone's Charles, 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 James. <laughs> and then Nell had a second son named James, and then. Subsequently, Louise was named the Duchess of Portsmouth, which yeah. is what she was known for then yeah. on out. And so uh, Nell's most famous quote came whenever, so she's riding in her carriage, like heading up to the palace. Angry mob comes out and they're like booing her and I imagine like throwing cabbage at the, cra- the um, carriage and all this stuff. And she like steps out of the carriage and she goes, be civil, good people. It is... The Protestant whore, <laughs> and everybody cheered because they call because the, the the commoners called Louise the Catholic whore. Yeah. And so she's like, "It is the Protestant whore," and they like, cheer, and everybody laughs. And um, so there's this mini series 
about Charles II in like 2003 that I watched recently, and it's meh. But I thought this scene was so funny to me. Because they show, they show Luis just like crying and bawling. She's like, somebody called me a harlot in the street earlier. And she's just like, woe is me. And Charles is just like patting her on the back, being like, oh, God. <laughs> and then they cut to the scene with Nellie being like, oh, no, I'm the Protestant whore. And everybody <laughs> cheering. They just had very different outlooks on yeah, life. There was another totally time. different personalities. There was another time her coachman or whatever like almost got in a fight with this guy that was like your mistress is a whore and the coachman is like don't call her a whore and they're like starting to fight and Nellie comes over and she's like gentlemen I am a whore find something else to fight about (laughs) (laughs) yes I mean if you got it flaunt it own it love it and she would even say of Louise she would be like um I can't believe the duchess like if she is so high and mighty why is she a mistress then right I mean she was like I was born a whore so I am a whore. Yeah. <laughs> and she is a whore. Yeah. So and why is she thinks she's so much better than me? Yeah. This is why we love oh, Nelly. Oh, that Nelly, that Protestant whore. I Nelly love her. Nelly Gwyn Coco. You go, She, Coco. Yeah. So <laughs> so Nell was one of the only serious mistresses of Charles who wasn't given a title. And I think it's because she didn't have like those family connections. She wasn't greedy either. I think she it was, bothered her that she was never given a title. Um, I don't ever think that she was like needy and greedy and wanted a lot. She she ever asked him for it, but then um, she did want it for her children though. One day the king comes over to visit her and her children and she's said to have said to her son Charles, um, who was six at the time, <laughs> Come here, you little bastard. Come and greet your father. I love this story. And the king was just like, the fuck did you just call him? And she's like, what? He's a bastard. He's a bastard. (laughs) What else am I supposed to call him? And so he made him an earl, the Earl of uh, Burford. So So there's (laughs) like this really awful story that's like the counter to that. Oh, yeah. And it's like, she literally like holds her kid uh, over this window and is about to drop him and is like, you call my son a, a royal. And he's like... Oh, the Earl of Beaufort. Yeah. Oh, Please God. don't drop him out the window. Please don't drop him out the fucking window. He later, I really like the first story better. I think that that's more plausible. Because, I mean, she was witty and she yeah. was like comical. I'm like, come here, you that's little bastard. She'd be like, come here, you little bastard. And he was like, oh my God, you call my son what? And she's like, well, well I mean, he is kind of a bastard. He, w- <laughs> he was later made the uh, Duke of St. Albans. So now I think she can rest easy because her son is set. Their other son was made a lord, but sadly, he died at a very young age while he was in um, France for yeah, his schooling. Yeah, for like a leg injury. I think that is so weird that that's all I could find on... There was rumors that it was like poisoning, possibly. Why? But Why would they poison the king's illegitimate like eighth son? Like, why? fucking weird-ass mistress it's who just, got pissed off. It was just weird. Like, I think it's just kind of weird. Yeah, there was... Uh, some little fucking tinfoil hat. It's also theory. possible that it was the 17th century and they were like, oh, you're sick? Do some cocaine. And he died. You know, like, <laughs> they didn't know anything about medicine. She was really grief stricken. So Charles gave her a house near Windsor, Windsor Castle so he could come visit her. And he gave her an allowance and was like, revamp it, do whatever you want to it. And I think this was like, as the form her grief took was just. Burying herself and remodeling it. Yeah. Throwing parties. Like, 
she ran up these bills on like alcohol, which are like a salary, <laughs> like somebody's <laughs> salary is worth, you know, like she um, ordered herself like a stainless steel bedpost, like just um, thousands and thousands of pounds on shoes. Yeah. Like she just went. She finally had a kid that was like, you know, like his little son and she yeah. could like make a pension off of it. Yeah. Well, the one that the one that was made of Duke didn't die. This was the um, the second son. James died. Yeah, but anyway, and then soon after her mother died by getting drunk and drowning. Like, she got drunk and she fell in a ditch. How lame. Like, what an anticlimactic way to go in your life. Oh, how did you die? Oh, I got drunk and fell, fell in a ditch. Fell in a ditch. ditch. <laughs> couldn't, get my, couldn't work my way out of that ditch. I was so drunk. Like, I know. And so the hardships start to take their toll on Nellie. It's not funny, Nathan. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just thinking of, like, falling into a ditch and being like, oh, I can't get out. I'm just going to drown. Like, I'm And that sorry. makes you laugh that hard. No. You cold-blooded. <laughs> Jesus. But how do you drown in a ditch, man? I don't know. How do you drown in a ditch? Like, whoops, I fell into this ditch. I can't get out. Maybe she yes, hit her. stand up. Maybe she hit her head. Maybe she fell okay. and hit her head and okay. missed the okay. I don't know. Okay, okay, okay. Mansplain it away to me. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, um, all this grief is really starting to take its toll on her. And um, the press starts writing really nasty things about her, mainly yeah. that, like, her looks are fading. Yeah, she's not as cute and young and spready as she used to you know, be. No, she's 30. Like, they're, she's they're not writing, even that old. They're writing about her like she is, like... A mummy. You know, she's 30. And, I mean, sure, 30 then is a lot older than 30 now. But still, she did not look that far off from what she used to be. And she was really in debt now from all these parties, and she loved to gamble. So she was like, all right, y'all are mean, and maybe this lifestyle's not going great for me. I think I'm going to, like, live a quieter life. I mean, why not at that point? Yeah. and so country life. Yeah, the king had given her a summer house in the country. And so she was like, peace out, bitches. It makes me think that song in the Geico commercial. It's like, going on to the country. Going on to the country. Going on down the road. Yeah, that one. So at this point, the king is in his uh, 50, 50 fans. His 50 fans. <laughs> and he's thinking some quiet country living might actually sound fucking phenomenal. And he's right like, now. yeah, that that's a really good idea. I think I will join you from time to time. And there's a little bit of tumultuous shit going to happen for oh, England in a little bit. Like, so the problem is, um, so Charles... Religion. The problem is The problem religion. is religion. I feel like we could put that, like, on every history. What was the problem? Religion. <laughs> yep. But what was the problem here? It was also religion. religion. So, um, Charles isn't going to have an heir. Like, it's, like, he's not going to have a son or a daughter or a legitimate child. Um, so his brother is going to be, uh, become king. And his brother is... He's Catholic. Womp, womp. Mother was Catholic. Everyone's got mommy issues. And he's Catholic. And so Parliament keeps trying to pass this bill that would cut his brother James out of the line of succession. And um, so he's just like, no, I'm not going to do it. 
He's got this oldest, his oldest illegitimate son's um, a Protestant. And they're like, we can just put him, you know, just make him legitimate. Write your brother out. Charlie went and do it. And it's just like, it was, it was just, it was a shit show. It was a shit show, indeed. It was such a shit show. There was even this plot called the Rye House Plot. Mm -hmm. And it was an attempt to assassinate Charles and James. Yeah. And this, like... It killed Charles. I mean, not literally. Like the plot failed. Like, but, but like, like emotionally killed. Emotionally, him. he like, was still he was, alive. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> you gotta be careful how you word that, Nathan. Because when you're just talking about an assassination plot, when you say it killed him, <laughs> one could easily assume you mean literally. Literally killed him. No, no, it did like not. it. Uh, it just broke his heart. He was like, everybody has loved me. I'm the merry fucking monarch, and y'all are trying to kill me. Like it. It just Test really. Anyway, um, he was really upset. Twelve people were executed over this plot. So seven of them were hung, drawn, and quartered. One woman named Elizabeth Gaunt was burned at the stake, and I actually, like, researched her just a little bit, just minimal, and it was total fucking bullshit that she was burned at the stake. And two people were just, you know, hanged. Regular hanged. Not that they were spared the... Drawn and quartering of it. And then um, two people were beheaded. Oh, yeah. Just oh. a casual Saturday night. He wasn't... <laughs> Charles was not used to people being mad at him. And I think it took a serious toll on his health. Also, probably all the venereal diseases he had were also taking a serious toll on his health. Syphilis. Syphilis. <laughs> I mean, for real, though. I mean, it was syphilis. Syphilis. <laughs> Silver bell. Everybody's got syphilis. You are, you are singing syphilis <laughs> to the tune of Silver Bells. It fits. <laughs> they have. Syphilis. <laughs> syphilis. It fits, you know. Anyway. It's syphilis time. Nathan, if you could focus. <laughs> You can focus. We have a story to tell. You little turd monster. <laughs> so, anyway, he's like, focus, Nathan. <laughs> he's taking a little lazy boy nap with his syphilis brain. Yeah. Well, no, he was just like, he went to go visit Nell more often in the country. He needed a rest. And they would have, like, quiet dinner parties with friends. The king could be found napping midday on her lazy boy recliner. He's just napping with his syphilis brain. Yeah. In the lazy boy. He he did see that Nell hadn't saved her money wisely. And he told her that he planned to make her a countess of Greenwich. Yeah, I don't think she really ever pushed for it. Because, you know, her kid got the title and that was yeah, the main thing she was concerned with. But I'm sure she wouldn't have said no. You know, she would have been like, cool. Yeah, count. right. Countess me in. <laughs> Countess me in. <laughs> and the king ain't what he used to be Mm-mm. at this point. Syphilis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and his appetite's kind of, oh, everything's going downhill. He wasn't trying to, he wasn't trying to hook up with any new girls at this Syphilis. point. I need you to quit. Like, that moment... <laughs> As past Nathan's. Sorry. <laughs> your new, are you going to be every Christmas from now on? <laughs> like you'll be in the choir at church. <laughs> Syphilis. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry, guys. I'm going to Mark, stop. have a bell, sweet so- soul. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, can you stop? <laughs> Chucky Poo fell really ill. <laughs> yeah, so Charlie was sick. Syphilis. 
Okay. So anyway, they're at Nell's place having dinner one night. I didn't see anywhere where it specifically said it was for her birthday, but it would have been like one around of the, it. It would have been early February. So they're having a quiet dinner at her house. He has this sudden fit, and he's rushed back to the palace. Um, and I'm sure Nell is just like he was foaming at the mouth. Like, Ugh. convulsing, having seizures and stuff. And so he's, like, whisked away, and then yeah. little did she know that would be the last fucking time that, that the last she time she him. saw him, yeah. The king's death disturbed me to my soul. Like, I couldn't read too much about it. As we've discussed before, medicine, basically any time nope. before the time we are living in now, has been a nightmare. Like, leeches and bleeding mm. out. They and- bled him, like... 10 times a day, which now we know they like, you know, gave him like enemas, bleeding him, putting leeches on him. Now we know when someone's sick, more fluids. But like the way it worked then, they were like, well, obviously all this blood is bad. So let's get it out so he can make room for some good blood. But that's not how it works. You need more fluids. Yeah. Good blood. (laughs) Um, But if they're giving him enemas, so he's pooping out all his fluids, like it's just, it was bad news bears. Bad. Charles took four days to die. And he actually, this breaks my heart. He said to like his courtiers and like the guys hanging around, he said, I'm sorry, I am so long in dying. I know. It's like, really sad. He, like was, he, he was just a real considerate fella. He just wanted to be a nice bro. And his wife even sent like a letter apologizing. and Because she, she, she couldn't come to his bedside because she was like so stricken with grief. So she sends him this letter being like, I hope he'll forgive me. And he ends up saying, Alas, poor woman, she asked for my pardon. I beg hers with all my heart. <laughs> Take her back that answer. He did, in the last minutes of his life, convert to Catholicism. I don't know how many wits he had about him. Like Not who, too many. But, I mean, it doesn't surprise me. His mother was Catholic, his wife was Catholic, his brother was Catholic. But don't forget, syphilis. syphilis. <laughs> so his brother was there who was, you know, about to become king. One of, like, his last request was, be kind to Portsmouth, Louise. Portsmouth is Louise. So, um, be kind to Louise and let not poor Nellie starve. So, obviously, he's <sighs> being like, don't be mean to Louise because I know you all hate her. Yeah. But don't, don't let Nellie starve. And, but also, like, I know Nellie's in a lot of debt. Don't. Don't let her starve. Don't let her starve. So, Charles II of England, or Nellie's Charlie the Third. <laughs> died early February 1685. And, and Nellie ended up not starving. James forgave all her debts, and he gave her a salary <laughs> of um, 1,500 pounds a year, um, let her remain in the house Paul Mall and on Paul Mall Street, like didn't try to take it back. James was good to her, but he did expect her to convert to Catholicism. And of course she resisted because yeah. it was just this fundamental belief system. That's yeah. Different. And also the people loved her for being the Protestant whore. Like why Come would on. Yeah. And she did end up living quietly almost two years and then she ended up having a stroke and it left her handicapped and this is also symptoms of syphilis. syphilis. <laughs> yeah, she re- she definitely had syphilis too if the king did. And she was bedridden. So she had her stroke and was handicapped and she lived another 30 months after having hers. So I don't know why we don't just say two and a half years or whatever, but like <laughs> that's what I kept reading, 30 months. So she would go through, you know, oh, I'm better. Oh no, I'm I'm dead. I'm almost dead again. Oh no, I'm better and just like 
off and on for like two and a half years. Um, she finally passed in November 1687. Two years. In her will, she she asked that her son, and I think this like, she didn't bring up her childhood a lot, which was rough, but I think this shows um, how it affected her. In her will, she asked that her son um, donate so much money a year to help people that are in debtor's prison. Oh, like her dad. He, like her, like where her dad died. Um, and he also she, he also asked that um, he help like you know just poor women and children with fatherless families. Bravo! I know. Bravo! And then she requested that at her funeral the following um, biblical passage be read: "I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents." than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Just basically it's saying, like, yeah, she was a sinner, but she tried to make up for it. And, like, it's going to be... There's going to be more rejoice that she's joining people in heaven than those who, like, were holier than thou. A whore with a heart of gold. A whore with a heart... A whore for the people to Nellie. That's my nickname on a Saturday night. A A whore whore with a heart of gold. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Thank you, Nellie. You gave me my new catchphrase. All right. So, hope you enjoyed the episode. So, thanks for listening. If there's something you want to hear, just, like, hit us up. You can email us at queenshistorypodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter. We're at queens underscore podcast. We're on SoundCloud and Stitcher. And follow us on iTunes at Queens Podcast. All one word. All smushed up. Queens Podcast. Um, follow us on Facebook. Our intro music is by Kay Sparks featuring Beyond Belief. Thanks for letting us use your song, guys. Thanks, guys, for listening. Cheers. Bye, girl. <laughs> Hello, everyone. It's Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be.